All right, uh, yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and get started. Um, this class is called Best Practices in Youth Ministry. Um, I, I'm a little timid to call it that because uh, I don't like teaching the class in which it comes across as though I've got all the answers and you don't. So uh, I certainly am going to uh, ask for your input as well as we go along. Um, I'll just kind of tell you how I put this class together, uh, to be honest. Um, when, when I got this topic, I got to thinking, okay, what are the best practices? What does that mean? And, and, and I, I, I just kind of, I assumed what they wanted to talk about or, or wanted me to talk about were things that work in our youth ministries. And so I tried to take a very practical and ethical approach to this. I also, uh, after I wrote down the things and, and, and looked at it and, ta- and thought, about, uh, thought about these things, then I went to my young people uh, this past Monday night and I said, okay, what are things that have made an impact in your life that we do in our ministries? What are things that work? What are things that stand out to you? And, uh, and so they gave me a list and, and we talked about the things that have uh, made an impact in their lives. So part of what I'm going to tell you is are the things that they brought out Part of what I'm going to tell you are things that I had written down before, and then uh, what's interesting, what's really neat is when the two overlap, you know, and, uh, and we, we had some of the, uh, the same thoughts about the things going on uh, in our youth ministry at Chapel Hill. Uh, obviously, I'll give you some examples of some of these things as we go along. I hope that you will realize that these are not, I'm not giving you exactly what I do, but a lot of these are just principle-based. We've talked about a lot of them as we've gone along already. Uh, We've talked about them as we've listened to David Shannon talking about instilling faith in young people. Kirk hit on some of the stuff today uh, that that I I would bring out in here, and and I know that uh, in whatever class you've been in, some of these principles seem to be underlying principles that are based on God's Word and are trying to train our young people, and that's the way it ought to be. Um, I think it's neat that there continues to be uh, repeti- repetition. Uh, that means that I think we're trying to do something the right way. And so, uh, so I'm excited about this class at the same time. Um, you know, don't, uh, don't take the title as this is how it's supposed to be done and the only way it's supposed to be done, but just as here are some principles that we can use. Um, I'm going to ask Evan if he will kind of keep his finger on the trigger there. But uh, talk to the teenagers, and here's what they said. Number one, they said, we want you to offer, or or it means the most to us when you offer a learning environment that leads to change. In other words, what Kirk just ended up talking about, you know, what what Lonnie talks about, the uh, facts, concepts, applications. You know, we've talked about this over and over. The idea that what we're trying to teach our young people is not just factual, not just knowledgeable, but is life-changing. You know, how do we get it across to them? Uh, they simply said, we want practicality and relevance. Uh, we want, um, we just want to know how that changes our lives. Uh, one of the things that, that uh, uh, obviously, that we try to do as ministers, as Bible teachers and Bible class, uh, Bible class and devotional settings, is we try to offer both the factual, the knowledge, of the Bible and the, the application. But one thing that, that my teenagers have said before is, you know, Monday nights when we have our in-depth Bible study is when we really get to talk about application. That's when we really get to talk about 
what's going on at school and what's going on in our lives, you know. And that seems to be kind of the nature of the beast of, of, of Bible class and, and more of a, an informal devotional or, or discussion type setting. Uh, obviously, you can have both in both places. But I think sometimes our mentality is we go into our Bible classes on Sunday morning and we say, okay, you know, I do need to cover this material. I want it to be applicable and I want us to discuss, but there's still certain things that I'm trying to get through, right? Then Monday night, you know, you unwind a little bit more. Kids are a little bit more awake. I think, uh, you know, you've noticed that on Sunday mornings that sometimes our kids uh, drag in like they've been up all night long. Uh, and, and it's just kind of a, it's just a different setting, you know. Uh, but this is what they said they wanted. Number two, they said, we, we appreciate when you give us specific challenges on a regular basis. And I thought this was interesting. Um, you know, I, I think many of us in here probably say, okay, why don't you go out and do this this week? Why don't you go out and see what happens when? And, you know, sometimes we wonder how that goes. Maybe we forget to follow up the next week. Hey, how did it go when you did this? Or, or what did you do? But when my teenagers brought this out, it, it, it made me think, okay, they appreciate it, number one, but they're trying these things. They're trying these things at school. Um, I started thinking about... Uh, uh, I started thinking about some of Paul's writings. Open up to 1 Thessalonians 5 with me. Open up to 1 Thessalonians 5. Uh, challenges are, are some of those things that ought not to be foreign to us as youth ministers. In other words, I think our teaching ought to be filled with these things. You know, this, this ends up being part of the practical application that we're talking about. Not just the reasoning aspect. But, okay, now go out and practice it. Well, look at what Paul says um, uh, down in verse 12, beginning in verse 12. We request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you, have charge over you in the Lord, and give, and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. And we urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all men. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all men. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. You know what Paul's just done there? A five-verse challenge. You know, a list of challenges. Hey, this is what we've talked about in, in the book of 1 Thessalonians. I've, I've, I've given you the theology and I've told you about uh, how your life ought to look. Now here's what you go and do. You know, pray. Pray constantly. Challenge yourself to pray. Uh, challenge yourself to, to stay away from immorality. Challenge yourself, challenge yourself not to get back at somebody when they treat you wrong this week. You know? Uh, you know, and... and and so one of the things we ought to be doing is just simply challenging our young people. One simple challenge a week. Uh, if, it's, if it's okay, today, uh, or this, you know, in our Bible class today, we've talked about prayer. We want you to, I want you to take one person this week who needs prayers, and I want you to pray for them every single day. You know what? You'd be surprised that your kids will actually do that, you know? You, you do a class on evangelism, and just tell them, hey, go out and just try to talk to one person about Jesus, about the Bible, about coming to church. And guess what? Chances are they'll do it. Just one time. You know, if, if it's only one time, they've met that challenge. All right? 
Uh, I would also say that if we're going to offer those challenges, that we offer the resources to accomplish these challenges. You know, uh, one of the things, you know, I mentioned the, the idea of the prayer. I found, uh, or I, wasn't, I didn't find it, I was given this. Have you guys ever heard of Echo Prayer, the Echo Prayer app on your uh, iPhone or Android? Um, I thought, you know what, I'm constantly asking our kids to be praying about things. And so one Wednesday night I just said, okay, everybody get your iPhones out or get your, get your phones out, your tablets out. And, and I actually have a no phone or tablet policy in class. I'm a paper Bible guy. Um, I think it takes away from distraction. But anyways, that's me being old-fashioned. But I said, okay, right now, go ahead and take that out. And I want you to download that app right now. And I want you to plug in our prayer requests for the night. And man, I had, you know, 20, 30 kids taking their phones out and trying to do that. It was just a simple tool that they could use, okay, if, if I'm being challenged to pray, this will be something that, that puts it right in front of my face countless times a day, right? I mean, how many times a day do they look at their phone and now they can see that app there and say, oh, you know what, I need to pray for so-and-so. They tap on it, they go through it. I would, and if you haven't seen that app, go check it out. It's called Echo Prayer app. Uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, number three. Number three. Give encouragement and foster encouragement. Um, one of the things that, that the kid said was, you know, we, we like it when you take time just to simply encourage us. Uh, and, you know, I'm not great at this all the time, I'll be honest. Um, but the times when we just say, hey, you know what, I appreciate you for doing this. Uh, appreciate you as a group because you stood out tonight. Or we went out and you didn't act up. You acted like you were supposed to act up. <coughs> You know, one of the things we need to be making sure we're doing as ministers is that we are, um, is that we are championing the behavior we want to see in them. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? If we expect something out of them, then when they give it to us or when they behave that way in, in that expectation, then we ought to let them know that we noticed it and we're thankful for it. And you know what? They'll keep rising to that occasion every single time. You know, it, it baffles my mind when people say, you know, oh, they're just teenagers. You know, uh, they, you know don't, don't be too hard on them. They're just teenagers. Well, don't we want them to grow into adults? So let's challenge them from time to time like adults. I'm not saying we don't ever allow them to be teenagers, okay? There's, there's that developmental process, okay? We'll talk about that in a minute. But at the same time, let's make sure not only do we challenge them, but then we champion it. When they, when they meet those challenges. But the other thing, the other environment that they liked was that, that we're constantly trying to foster encouragement, not just from me to the kids, but the kids to each other. Uh, you know, it's, it's neat when you watch young people reaching out to their fellow young people. You ever notice that? You know, you stand by and you just, you know, you watch those kids go and, and grab that visitor or lift up somebody, you know, who... who uh, uh, who they saw do something really good, and, they, and they're, they're constantly trying to bring each other in and bring each other along. One of the things that we do, uh, and this is just something kind of goofy, I guess you could say, but it's meant a lot to our kids, is that, uh, is that when we're together, uh, you know, we've gone and done a service uh, event or something like that, and, and it's time for lunch. We'll all get back to the annex. We'll set up our tables in a big square. We'll just put four big tables together. And we just call it family meal time, you know. And the kids love it, man. It's you sliding pizzas all over across the tables, you know. We're slinging pizzas and chips, and and but they love it. Uh, the other thing is, and I don't know, you know, this is kind of a this this is funny because 
I got the idea from camp back in the day. You know, you remember the warm fuzzy boards at camp? Put one of those in your youth center and, and just let the kids write notes to each other. You know, that's just something simple you can do. Um, one of the things that I did with it is, is I, I took a headshot of every one of our young people and then I printed out their picture on a three by five or a four by, yeah, I guess, it, no, a five by seven card, stapled it to where that's their pouch, you know? And so people come along, hey, I want to write to so-and-so, and they drop it down in there. Two things, it lets, the, it lets other people see who's a part of our youth group. It lets them see themselves as a functioning member of the youth program of the church. Um, but then it encourages us to, to write each other notes. And, and that was one of the things that they just said, this means a lot to us. We really, really appreciate it. Um, I started thinking about some of the men in the Bible uh, when, it, when it comes to encouragement and the example that we take. Obviously, you go to Acts chapter 4 at the end of chapter 4, and Barnabas himself is, is the man of encouragement. But then I also thought about very quickly, you remember what Jesus did the last 50 days uh, of his ministry on earth? What, what, was his, what was his goal? Encouragement, right? Everywhere he went, he made sure not just to show himself to his apostles, his disciples, but to let them know, hey man, I want you. I want you to be comfortable. I want, I want you to be confident in the work that you're doing, and I want you to know that I'm going to be here. Matthew 28. I am with you always. I will be with you everywhere. You know, teenagers are in the the. Well, I consider it the worst part of life. You know, uh, somebody asked me one time, man, wouldn't you wouldn't you love to go back to high school for a million dollars? No. I will stay broke to stay out of high school. All right, I don't want to go. To, I don't want to go back to high school. I mean, you think about all the discouraging things at school that these kids are dealing with, and then on top of that, we're you know they're called by Christ and they're challenged by us uh, to be Christians and light in a dark world. And you think about how discouraging that can be. Man, they need some reaffirmation sometimes. They just need to know. That not only are we with them, but other people are with them, and, and most importantly, that God is with them. So that you know, the kids said, "Hey, encouragement. That is a big, big thing to us. Make sure we're encouraging our kids." Uh, here's the next one. The kids said that it was very important for us to have our together time. You know, um, if you were in my Bible curriculum class, you know that we have our classes split up: seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, and eleventh and twelfth. But one thing we do on Wednesday nights, and our, my kids said, you know, it just helps us remember that we are a group, we are together in this, is Wednesday nights before, our, um, before we split up to our Bible classes, we come together and we just kind of meet in our main uh, youth suite room, the, the biggest room that we have, and it's a time we sing two or three songs, I give them a little, you know, scripture or, a, or just a thought for the night. And, uh, and the announcements that they need for that week, things that they need to know, and then, all right, go to class, you know. And it's, you know, it usually lasts maybe five to ten minutes at the most, depending on how many prayer requests we have or announcements I need to make known or information I need to get to them. But then they're just split up into, into their classes. And, and I didn't realize that it meant that much to them until they told me this, you know. I just thought, hey, it's it's a... It's a great way just to get them information, get them together at least that once a week, you know, uh, when I don't always have them together. But this was one of the things that they said, we like coming together. We like worshiping together. We like being together. And even though we understand the need to be separated into our age groups and our classes, we still like to be a group. We still like to be that family. 
and, uh, and I thought that was pretty cool. Foster, uh, look for ways to foster that family, that group orientation there. Uh, I think that'll make uh, a, great, a great difference. Um, and then the last one that, that the kids talked about. Foster an environment that promotes self and makes a distinction for serious. Now here's what I mean by this. And, and by the way, some of these things that, that I'm sharing with you, these are going to be things that, that maybe you could implement quickly or, or a principle that you could say, okay, I could do this in this way and I could start that this week. Some of these things are, are going to take time because you're actually trying to cultivate an entire culture, a mindset within your kids. And so some of the things that I'm sharing with you may not, I mean, get off the ground that quick. If you said, okay, I need to go back and try to instill this, uh, you know, it, it, it may take a while. Um, there are some things that I've been working at for seven years in the same place. And finally, some of my kids uh, last summer or two summers ago said, you know what, we get it. I was like, well, I'm glad, <laughs> you know. That's what we've been working at for seven years. Well, what I'm saying is, 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 hey, you know what, it took a while, but once it clicked, man, it was worth the time. You know what I mean? It, it was worthwhile. Um, I started thinking back, uh, talking to one of my dads, I said, uh, because we've had several of our leaders graduate out, and everybody does, you know what I mean? And now you've got to think, okay, who's going to step up next? Who, how is this going to... How's this going to translate? What we're doing now, how's that going to translate to our seventh graders coming in? And the neat thing is, is that uh, I'm blessed to be at a place in my ministry now where I'm seeing the consistency. You know what I mean? This is, this is what it means to these kids all the way through, and this is how it translates down as these kids are coming up. And, man, that is a, that is a great feeling. I, I'm going to tell you, man, it's, it's neat to know that there's going to be consistency and understanding and expectation uh, for those for those young people so I just wanted to throw that out there but foster an environment that promotes self and makes a distinction for serious go to Ephesians chapter 2 David brought this out yesterday it's it's such a beautiful passage one of my favorites Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 for we are his workmanship Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. One of the things the kids said to me was, you know, we're a goofy group. And, and really my kids are. I mean, they're, they're, they're good kids. They're cool kids. You know, you go to school and they're kind of the kids that, that people gravitate to. But here's the interesting thing. It's not because, it's not because they're, you know, they have the popular status as far as athletics and clothes and looks and all that kind of stuff. It's just simply because they're comfortable being who they are. And they said, you know what we appreciate is that, is that we're allowed to be who we are. You know, we're allowed to be goofy and to, and to, and to cut up and to, to act crazy sometimes. Um, you know, one of the things we ought to be uh, encouraging in our young people is to be God's workmanship, who he created them to be. We, we don't need to be trying to get our kids to be other people or other groups or or, or to try to fit into some weird mold, you know, that, that we have in our mindset. I'm not saying we don't challenge. I'm not saying that we don't try to grow them into the mold of Christ ultimately. But, but those kids can still hang on to their personalities and their character and their characteristics and their leadership styles and their working abilities. They can hang on to all of that and look like Jesus, right? Isn't that what God's saying here? We are His 
workmanship. So they said, we love the fact that we can be ourselves with each other, in the group, um, but at the same time, you expect us to get serious sometimes. You know, when it's time for Bible classes, the kids said, we, we, we're glad that you make us calm down and get serious about our Bible study. Um, uh, let me just say, I, I think there's going to be a couple of things that will make a difference in this. Number one, and, and Kirk mentioned this in there, and I was going to mention it already. Um, I'm getting tired of speaking after Kirk and after David because I feel like I'm just having to, you know, uh, <laughs> reiterate their, their stuff. But no, it's, it's because it's, it's, it's what it is. Um, you know, Kirk said, you know, they ought to be in a place where everybody gets to talk. You know, when, you, when you, it's discussion time, they ought to feel comfortable in their discussion, in their speaking. And, and they don't get made fun of it for it. They're not considered stupid. They're not considered ignorant. Um, and you know what? We've got those kids in the groups, right? We've got those kids in our youth groups that sometimes they just make you go, what in the world are you talking about? All right? Uh, one of my favorite kids, Denise. Man, she is a, uh, she is something else. I'm telling you. Um, there are times, there are times when she will say something and it's literally that reaction where everybody's kind of sitting there going, um, how are we supposed to react to this? And all the kids are looking at me going, how are you going to handle this one, J.D.? You know? and, uh, and, and it's funny because we've kind of developed this with Denise where, where she understand, she kind of understands if it doesn't make sense to us. You know, it's kind of like, okay, I got you. And she'll kind of get frustrated with me sometimes, but then there's other times, man, when she'll say something, and it's in the purity of, of, of a child. And it's the most profound thing that's said all night. And everybody's like, wow, Denise, you know? And, every, and everybody has that reaction, you know what I'm saying? And everybody's like, huh, you know? Well, it's, it's neat because even if it doesn't make sense to us, she'll keep, ta- she'll keep talking. And then that one time that it does make sense to us and we, we latch onto it, you know? But, but that's one of those cultures you have to develop, you know, allowing young people to be themselves. One of our new seventh graders, a uh, precious little, precious little guy. Uh, I've never seen a kid more sensitive than this than this kid. He got up to read scripture several weeks ago, and uh, and he has a, a speech impediment. But it's not what you would think. It actually, it's the way he pronounces his words, and he sounds British. I, I'm not kidding. And and I love listening to him talk and, and listening to him pray and, and he's gotten more and more clear uh, as he's gotten older but he's so particular about wanting to make sure people understand him. He got up to read scripture the other day and, uh, and I mean this is in main worship you know little seventh grade kid that tall I mean he's tiny to boot you know uh, he reminds me of uh, uh, Tiny Tim you know if, if he walked around with a crutch that's Tiny Tim right there uh, got up to read scripture. He missed one word and cried all the way back to the, to the pew. And I just put my arm around him. I said, man, I said, I just want you to know you did a phenomenal job. And, of course, the tears were just flowing and that sort of thing. Well, now I'm getting to see him in Bible class where he'll try to say something or try to get something across. And there are times when he can tell that he's having a little bit of, of a difficulty getting the words out that he'll almost start tearing up. And you know what? The rest of the class is just so awesome to sit there and be patient with him and to listen to him. Um, 
But again, that's a culture that has to be cultivated because teenagers sometimes, even Christian teenagers, can be cruel. You know, that's the world that they live in and that's what they're used to. Uh, so cultivate, cultivate that and then expect that. You know, I mentioned earlier, one of the things, I, I've got a list of, of five class rules. Number one, bring your Bible. Number two, turn your cell phone off. Number three, no talking while God is talking. Number four, no talking while, uh, while we're having prayer requests. Um, and, no, and then number five, no talking uh, unless you're talking about our class lesson, our class subject. I didn't do that to be elementary. I did that so that they would understand the series. It was Denise who actually said, you know what, we like it sometimes. I, this was kind of interesting. She said, you know, I remember the time when you kind of disciplined us and got onto us one summer because we weren't paying attention in class, and now we really enjoy this. It's like, wow, you know, I thought y'all hated me for that, you know, because I, I unloaded on them one Wednesday night, you know. Uh, but, I mean, it was bad. It was bad. But, but, six years later, you know, four, five, six years later, and, and they're saying, hey, we really appreciate it. We, we like that you expect us to get serious. Um, so that's going to be something that you cultivate. Uh, but again, Ephesians 2.10, let's allow our young people to be who God has made them to be. But let's also encourage them and help them understand that, you know what, your calling is serious. Your purpose in the Lord's church is serious. Don't take it lightly. Don't take it lightly. We'll have fun. We'll do some great and crazy things. Uh, but your faith is serious, all right? That's what they said, all right? Here's what I had written down. Here's what I said. Number one, know what you are about. Know what you are about. In other words, what do you want your ministry to be about? What do you stand for? What, how do you want people to look at you and define you as a minister, as a servant of God? You know, uh, when I first started in youth ministry, um, I understood, and I still do, you know, that, that David Stoffel, one of my great friends in the world, would call me and Jeff clown ministers when I lived in Lawrenceburg. You know, we were the clown ministers in the group, you know, because we were youth ministers. I knew they were kidding, and I understood that they, that they did not look at our jobs lightly, but all too often, I think, we are looked at as clown ministers because we don't take it seriously, because... You know, uh, you know the, the running joke is, oh, you know, they'll be up after 10, you know, 10 in the morning. Hey, look, there are going to be some mornings when you've been out all night long and you need to sleep, right? You know, there's going to be those weeks after camp where you have every right uh, to be a little bit later into the office. You know what I mean? At the same time, you don't want to be defined by that. So know who you are, all right? Not just your work ethic but also your philosophies and your purpose in growing the young people into the image of Christ. What do you stand for? What are you about? Okay, um, You need to know that. That's a soul-searching thing for each and every individual, and that's why I'm not going to tell you uh, my thoughts and my philosophies. You've got to figure that out on your own. Because if you try to implement what I think uh, I'm about, well, we're two separate people, and that's not going to work. All right. But here's the second part to that. Know what your church is about. Know what your church is about. What are your goals as a church? What is your church vision? And, and, and what do people see when they see your congregation? You know? That ought to be a part of your ministry. That, that you are upholding what the, your congregation and the Lord's church is about. It shouldn't be that, okay, we're going to do our thing over here. 
and 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 then every once in a while come together at least on Sunday mornings with the rest of the church you guys are the church everyone in that congregation is a member of the Lord's church you better know what your church is about I will tell you what ours is is um, you know our vision or our goal laid out is simply this that we strive to grow as disciples of Christ in our love for God and our love for his church and in our love for others and and that is our I guess you could say our church mantra the thing you know that's what we live by what we want to do is we would we just simply want people to grow fall in love with God fall in love with his church because it is his and then as his church fall in love with people outside the church and bring them in and then it ends up just becoming a a repetitious cycle and a beautiful thing to behold that's what we're about as a church well as a youth minister I'm not going to try to butt heads against that. You know, I'm not going to try to try to do things that undermine that or, or cut the legs out from understand when he's talking about that. You know, the goal is to try to work together as ministers, as eldership, as a deacon, as a congregation. Know what your church is about and what they, not only what, what you're doing as a church, but what they also expect of you and then your ministry. What is your ministry about? You know, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this here in a little bit, but... Is your ministry just about the events and the fun that you can offer your young people? Or is it about something deep and meaningful? And you've got to make that decision. Know what your ministry is about, okay? Um, one of the things, and, and this was, you know, I mentioned earlier that finally the kids, after seven years, you know, it finally clicked. They were like, we understand. Well, I'm not patting myself on the back, but, but through experience, and I think those of you who have been in ministry for a long time, will understand that there were times when you wondered if anybody else even understood what you were doing, right? You understood if anybody even gathered your vision or your goal or, or you know, your purpose for the ministry because it felt like, man, I just, I'm constantly butting my head against the wall. The kids don't understand. The parents don't understand. But you know what? You stuck with your plan for ministry. You stuck with your vision for ministry and it fit what God wanted for his church. And then all of a sudden, man... It's, it's awesome when you see it click, right? Okay? Uh, so know who you are. Know what you are about. And maybe you need to go home and just sit down and say, okay, this is what I'm about. This is what I believe in my ministry. This is what I need to do or I need to accomplish. This is what our church is about. And how is our ministry going to fit our youth ministry? How are we going to fit uh, the ministry of the church as a whole? You can't have two separate churches in the same, under the same roof. We're the same church. We're the same congregation. All right? Uh, and and uh, I thought about this. First Corinthians chapter two, uh, twenty-two. Uh, sorry, First Corinthians chapter one, verse beginning in verse twenty-two. Um, I want to say this before I go. Uh, before I go on, this part of it is, you know, I actually had. To, it was one of those moments. You know, those moments where you're kind of questioning, you're kind of asking what's going on, and then all of a sudden something just you know, reaches down and slaps you upside the knock. You know what I'm saying? And and I don't remember if if uh, if I was in a class and this was opened up to me or what, but all of a sudden it hit me. This passage in verse, beginning in verse 22. For indeed Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Whatever, wherever I was in my ministry or life at that point, when I, when this, that I mean, that just struck me. I was like, you know what? I mean, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I've been trying to make 
ministry entertainment, entertaining to these kids. I've been trying to sell Jesus to them in the form of pizza and, and little games and discussion starters. And I've been trying to, you know, I've been trying to come up with great ways to get across the gospel message. And Paul says simply, we preach Christ crucified. But look what he goes on to say. To Jews, it's a stumbling block. And to Gentiles, foolishness. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. See, here's what I was getting wrong. I was getting wrong the idea that I had a better way to present the gospel of Christ to people than God did. How foolish is that? That I could think that I could make it more attractive to a young person. That, you know, that Jesus, you know, I got to help Jesus be attractive. Man, that, that, if that's, if that's your mentality, even if you've never voiced it, but that's the way you approach ministry, that will be the most foolish thing and the most foolish path you will ever continue to walk on. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I don't mean that to look down on anybody because I was there. Consider your calling, verse 26, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised, God has chosen the things that are not, that he might nullify the things that are, that no man should boast before God. Man, when I understand that my ministry to young people is not about what I can offer them, but about what God does in their lives, it, it quickly becomes not about me anymore and only about Christ Jesus. By, doing his, by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that just as it was written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. If anything is going right in Chapel Hill, I'll be the first to tell you it's not because of what I'm doing. It's because of what God is doing. But I will tell you this. I had to get back to the simplicity of the gospel. I mean, I, I have to admit that. I have to confess that to you. I had to get back to the simplicity of the gospel. And I'll tell you this. There were kids and parents that didn't understand that. You know, there were times when they were like, man, you're just not doing any fun stuff with us anymore. No, we do fun stuff. Man, we, we've had Nerf Wars this summer, which was so cool. You, we got in the annex, and we took out the big white plastic tables, and we unfolded the legs, and we set them up on their edges, and let those become our barriers, you know, for a Nerf war. We do fun stuff. You know, we, I took a group to Six Flags, and, 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 and we went go-kart racing. You know, we do fun stuff, but that's not the goal. That's, that's not what it's all about, and, and it's interesting. Uh, man, it was just one of those moments Monday night that I just in, in my heart and, and between me and God, I just, I just had to give a resounding praise God. One of the girls this summer, she has a hard time at school. She's had a hard time at home. Uh, you know, it's one of those families that they're just closed doors to everybody, right? And if you don't cater to them, they just shut everybody else out. And it was one of those discussions. Well, we just feel like you don't do enough. We just feel like you're not doing any fun. She was telling me that as the kids were playing in the Nerf Wars and she was sitting on the side because she didn't want to be involved in it. I said, well, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not here just to, just to have fun with you guys. Monday night, she shows up to our in-depth Bible studies for the first time in a, since last November. 
and and it and it and it was one of those where maybe she realizes she's not a Christian yet either. She's a senior in high school. Maybe she realizes finally that there's something more to it. That it's not about what we think is attractive, but about the simplicity and the beauty of Jesus Christ Himself. Know who you are, and and put that into your ministry and what your ministry ought to be about. Uh, here's the second thing I said: know your parents. Know your parents, and Tim did a phenomenal job uh, in his class yesterday talking about how we equip our parents. Guys, you will, you, will, you will come to know, I think Tim said this in his class, uh, this is one of the things that stood out to me. You will know how to equip your parents as you get to know your parents. Would you agree with that, Tim? Um, so take time to get to know your parents. You know, um, when, when, when parents are dropping off their kids, you know, go talk to them. You know, sometimes we make it all about the kids. Go talk to your parents. Go, go assure them that you're going to take care of their, of their precious treasure and that you're going to watch over them. You know, when, when a visitor comes and their parents are dropping them off, go introduce yourself to them, you know, uh, at least to the best of your ability. I know sometimes we get racing around and we're trying to pack up everything. We're trying to get kids loaded and, and somebody will drop their kid off real quick and leave before you have a chance, you know. Uh, but do the best you can to get to know your parents. Get to know the parents in your churches, all right, the people that you're working with. I don't know how you do that or how you... Your, your vision of making that happen. But one of the things that I did when I got to Chapel Hill was simply uh, we just had a parents class. And several of you have heard me talk about this before. We just did a parents class. Not a parenting class because at the time I was a newlywed and had no children. All right, I wasn't about to tell parents how to be the parent. But I just wanted to have a parents class with them. And, and so all it was was simply, hey, we're going to have our own class, parents of teenagers. Or parents of any kids, I open it up. If you've got kids 18 and under, we're just going to have a parents class. I'm going to tell you about the things that your kids are facing, and we're going to study uh, some of the some of the, the situations and, and the, the the culturistic aspects of what your teenagers are going through. But we're also just going to study the Bible, you know. And and we did that for five years. We've we've taken kind of, uh, no, we did that for seven years. We implemented something different a couple of years ago, so we've been off a couple of years, but uh, hopefully this next year I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reinstate that and do it again. i tell you what, the parents that were, you know, it, it was interesting because I didn't always get the older kids' parents involved in that class, but it was those that were the parents of the younger kids who are now in my high school. And, buddy, let me tell you, they are a support. I mean, I've got... Parents and families that, you know, I mean, it's just, you have their unwavering support and faithfulness in who you are. You know what I'm saying? Simply because I spent time with them. Man, that is cool, you know. Um, and, and it's one of those things where I've got a couple of guys where, you know, I know I don't do everything right. I, I understand that as a human being. But if, if somebody even tries to say something negative about me, you know, I've got one guy who's like, man, we got your back, youth man. We'll bust them up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, whatever. <laughs> uh, but, but it's cool. So find ways, implement ways, be intentional in your ways to know your parents. Don't just talk to your kids when you're at worship. Talk to your parents as well. All right? Um, you know, one of the things that, that Tim said yesterday that, that struck me and is so true you know, when you go out of your way to say, hey, by the way, I heard about your kid doing this at school, because your parents don't always hear it. That, you know, the kids aren't going to come home and brag about themselves all the time. Most of the time, hey, how was your day at school? Mm -hmm. you, know. Uh, you know, go out of your way to let your parents know 
that, hey, their child, you heard about something good that their child did at school, you know? Um, I'm blessed to have principals at our schools that are members of the church, and so I get a lot of feedback about our kids and, and pass that on. Just let your parents know that you want a relationship with them as well. Here's the third thing. Encourage an intergenerational mentality in your church. Sticky faith, all right? That's, that's all I got to say about that one. Sticky faith. But here's what I mean by that. Church can't all be just about the older people in our churches. And church can't just be about only the young people in our churches. Church is about the church. Doesn't matter how old or how young you are or what you look like or where you come from. Church is about the church. And one of the things that we've tried to do at Chapel Hill is to, is to, is to culture an integrational uh, intergenerational mentality. You walk in our, our worship service on Sunday morning and, and on any given Sunday morning, 50% of the participants in our, in our worship service are young men, you know, 12th grade and under. Uh, there are some mornings where, I mean, every one of our young men at the Lord's Supper table and reading scriptures and saying prayers are, you know, baptized believers 12th grade and under. You know what I'm saying? And, and one of the things that the elders asked me to do in leading singing was, hey, make sure you're leading some of those young people's devotional songs, you know? Uh, make, make sure that this worship is for them. You know, the kids were asking for it. You know, we, we like it when you lead these songs. Lead them for us, you know? And so I did. Now our worship, um, you know, it, 50%, you know, hymnals, you know, the old-fashioned hymnals, 50% devotional songs. Um, and, and you know what? The kids love it. Uh, you know, uh, who, who was it yesterday talking about, kind of joking about, you know, we know, was it Craig? We know how to keep our job, make all the young people sit up front, right? Uh, the neat thing is, is I've actually tried to encourage my kids to spread out when we're singing different or newer songs. They won't do it, you know? And so now kind of the joke is when we're singing certain songs that maybe the rest of the church doesn't know as well, uh, one of my guys is like, yeah, I could hear the chorus singing up there on Sunday morning, you know? Um, but the kids love being involved in worship. They love being a part of the church. Uh, we've got our young ladies, you know, from time to time that will help teach those Bible classes or take it upon themselves. You know, I've got some of the girls that are absolutely mature in their faith, you know, as, as mature as you can be for a 17-year-old. And, I mean, they have no problem going into a second, first and second grade class and teaching the basic stories of the Bible that would be on that level anyways. You see what I'm saying? Let those kids do that. You know, when it comes to vacation Bible school, uh, you know, allow for a teenage Bible class because you're going to have some kids who aren't quite as involved and you're going to have some visitors. You need a place for them to go. But then allow your vacation Bible school to be riddled with teenagers willing to work with those younger kids, you know. Uh, we do, um, depending on our theme, we do people uh, that, that are always taking the younger kids to their different stations. You know, uh, sometimes depending on our theme, like I said, they're shepherds. Sometimes they're, uh, they're nurses or EMTs. Uh, one year we had, a, we had a hospital theme. You know, different things like that. But those, they end up filling those roles. They end up doing the skits and all that kind of stuff. Make sure that you are, are encouraging an intergenerational culture so that these young people understand that they are as vital a part of the Lord's church now as they will be for years to come. If they are baptized believers... They are not the future church. They are the church, period. Uh, the next one, connect teenagers to adults. 
connect teenagers to adults. And I'm going to add this on here. It's not on your page, but I'm going to add this as well. And to each other. You know, let it, do everything you can to, to let this be a family, a, a family-oriented mentality, you know. Um, even, even if you've got kids coming and their family is not faithful or their family is not spiritual at all, they come and they're still a part of the family. You know what I mean? There are adults in that church that will look out and reach out to those people uh, who don't have that, uh, who don't have that influence and don't have that impact in their lives. Uh, you know, I'm always thinking about uh, three, three of three of our kids, the Pickard children, lost their mom uh, to an asthma attack. The girl and the boy, the oldest, when they watched her pass away because of a severe asthma attack, their dad moved out uh, that night uh, with another woman. That night. Um, they lived with their grandparents. The grandparents weren't faithful. And, and you know, it was one of those things for a while you just kind of wondered what's going to go on. Uh, as a matter of fact, they weren't even coming to church with us when that took place. But when they came and people just, you know, surrounded them with love, um, all three of them are now graduated. I, uh, we just took the last one to Freed Hardeman this semester. Um, uh, and, and, you know, they still struggle with things from time to time, but they know that they can always come back to their family. And, and there are adults, not just teenagers, but adults as well, who, who act like they are their children, you know? Figure out ways to connect your, your teens to your adults. One of my young, young ladies, my college-age girls, she just this week is, is starting up uh, Secret Sisters with the older and the younger ladies. And she took that upon herself, and when she brought it to me, I said, absolutely, you do that. Do whatever you can to connect those generations, you know? Um, you know, some of you, if you were, again, in here uh, for my Bible uh, class lesson, one of the things that you can do very simply is if you have different age groups that, that are your Bible classes, you're putting different adults in those Bible classes uh, so that those kids don't just see you teaching the Bible, but see other adults teaching the Bible as well. See other ladies teaching the young ladies, and, and they're getting to know those people. All right, so connect your teens to adults and to each other. I mentioned earlier about, you know, our family time and just, you know, that's just kind of a culture that has, that has developed. And then here's my last one before I get back, uh, before I do uh, uh, one more section here. But um, is it on there? There it is. Don't be calendar bound. Uh, I would encourage you, if you're, if you're starting out or if you, you've been in this mentality for a while, get away from the event-oriented youth ministry, the, the traditional youth ministry. Um, don't, don't think that you have to have a calendar to present to your families and your young people that is just chock full of stuff, all right? Whatever you do, and I'm not saying don't have a schedule, okay? I'm just simply saying don't allow the schedule to be the flashy part of your ministry. Allow Jesus to do that for you. You know what I mean? Allow Jesus to be the attraction, not the, not the fact that you've got something three and four days a week or, you know, you take two awesome trips a month and all this kind of stuff. Number one, you'll wear yourself out. Number two, you'll wear your kids and your parents out, okay? They get tired of being gone all the time when they're already gone all the time. Number three, your families and your church will go broke because nobody can make that many trips and, and keep money in the bank. Um, and number four, you don't get anywhere. You're just constantly beating your head to the wall. One of the things I noticed early on was because 
uh, I was so calendar bound and trained that way. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of been one of our own faults is we train our youth ministers to youth ministers to be calendar bound. You know, are you going to give us enough? You know, what are we doing this month? You know, and uh, and man, you know, it was one of those things where early on I had. Uh, I had a high school Devo on Monday nights. I had a junior high Devo on Tuesday nights. I had a little kid's thing on Thursday nights. I was exhausted, you know, not to mention a service project every two weeks and all this kind of stuff. Oh, it was unbelievable, you know. Well, that's kind of what had been handed to me in my training and the the guy that I interned uh, with before, uh, and nothing on him. Phenomenal youth minister, phenomenal relationship-oriented guy. But, man, our calendar just was always chock full. Well, you get to a point where you got one or two kids showing up for a devotional. And honestly, you can't have it if you're there and two girls show up. I, there were several times when, I, when I'd have one or two girls show up uh, for that devotional. I'd be like, we can't do it. I'm, I'm not going to stay here by myself with you tonight. And, uh, and so then I started cutting some of those things out. Now, back to this. You know, I started cutting some of that out, and parents started saying, well, why are you doing this? This is your job. You know, you're supposed to be doing this. No, 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 no. It's not my job to wear all of us out to no end and with no purpose. All right? So, so don't make your ministry just about the calendar and the events that you, that you offer. Um, you know, make it about Jesus. You know, let everything revolve around him being the transformational influence in your child's lives. And then here's what we said. All right? This last category, this, this is where we overlapped, and I thought this was pretty cool. I had written it down, and then the kids said it, and I thought, man, this is, this is neat. Have a set Bible-based function that serves as a focal point for your ministry. This is what we call our in-depth on Monday nights. Now, I don't, you know, however you want to do it, if, if right now your, your central focus deal is your Wednesday nights, you make the most of it. But let everything, it's almost like this is, this is where... This is where everything grows. You know, we, we start here, and then out of that, you know, is our outreach and our, and our evangelism and our uh, encouragement and our service and all of this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Every Monday night, we meet together, 6.30 to 8.30. Um, and, and I said, don't be calendar-oriented. At the same time, it's okay to have those schedules, you know? The one thing my kids always know is that every single Monday night, unless there's a specific exception... We're always going to meet Monday night, 6.30 to 8.30, for our Bible study. And, and we call it in-depth for a reason. You know, we're gonna, we, we sing and we worship. Uh, we sit around and we talk about the day and we talk about the week and things going on. But then we have at least an hour or more of in-depth Bible study. And it's awesome. Man, I, I mean, we average, depending on the football season or the basketball season, practice times and all that kind of thing, we're still averaging 15 or 20 kids. And that's... That's 50%. That, now, that doesn't sound as good until you understand that it's always a different 50%. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, when junior high basketball season starts, they play games on Monday and Thursday. Well, I've got those kids right now on Monday nights, but come, you know, late fall, uh, uh, early winter, um, I'm going to start missing them on Monday nights. The one thing I constantly tell them is, look, you, you've committed to that team. Just be a Christian on that team. We'll be here when you get back, when you get done with your season, you know. And, and the kids, they, they 
it, it's almost like that comforts them, you know? Instead of them having to apologize all the time for, you know, if it's calendar-based ministry, everybody's always apologizing, well, I just can't do this, or I just can't be there, I'm sorry, you know, whatever, and you get tired of it, right? You get tired of people apologizing, you're just like, well, why just can't you be there? You know, and everybody's mad at each other because nobody's showing up, nobody's there, and it's too much and going. We got one thing a week. You know, we'll do our youth rallies. We'll do various things throughout the year. But our one thing a week is our Bible study on Monday night. And, and kids are there when they can be there. And if they can't for some other scheduled deal, I just simply say, it's okay. Just be a Christian there. You can be a Christian on the ball field. You take your influence. You, you've been here for the last six weeks. Take what you've learned and go put that into practice, you know. And, and kids quit apologizing. They quit feeling guilty, you know, about, you know, am I less Christian because I couldn't be there Monday night, you know. Um, I, I realized, you know, I'm not doing those kids any favors if I'm guilting them into their Christianity. You're not doing anything. <clears throat> but this kind of ends up being our hub, and the kids love it. Like I said, uh, you may have different kids revolving in and out depending on their schedules, uh, but they're getting something from it. Um, here's the, the next thing we said, or they, yeah, we said, talk about God. When was the last time you allowed your kids to tell you about their relationship with God? Anybody? Has anybody done that recently? At the end of our summer, we had done, we had done this, our summer's theme this year was, uh, for our Wednesday nights was uh, uh, the names of Jesus. All right, and we, we, we did an entire summer on who Jesus was. And, and the last two classes, I said, okay, I'm not teaching you this week. All right? I want you to tell me. I, I, I found a slide where you know, it was one of those pictures. You know, I Googled it, and I found a picture that had all the different names of Jesus on one screen. And I posted it up there just as a reminder. And I said, okay, I want you to look at these names of Jesus, and I want you to tell me. I want you to take turns telling me and telling each other who Jesus is to you. Why does, why does he stand out to you as the good shepherd, the bread of life, or the door, or, uh, or the resurrection, or the I am, or the way? And, and, and man, we sat there for 35 minutes, and kids took turns telling, okay, this, Jesus stands out to me in this way, and this is why I appreciate that, or this is why I love him for that. Man, it was awesome. The next week, uh, the next week I asked them, I said, okay, here's part two. Last week we talked about who Jesus was to you and why, you know, how he impacts your life in that certain way. Now I want you to tell me how, how he can impact somebody else's life in a specific way. I said, I want you to think about your kids, your, your friends at school, the people that need something, the people that are hurting, uh, the people that you're around every day. What, I, put the, I put the picture back up there, the names of Jesus. I said, I said why do they need the light of the world? And how are you going to give it to them? That was part two. Man, it was cool. I mean, between the two classes, we had an hour of discussion where kids were saying, this is who Jesus is to me. Let your kids talk about God to you. You know what? They'll never figure out how to voice their faith if they're never asked to voice their faith. So let them voice their faith. One of the other things, and I love this, we call it God talk on our, on our money. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, on our Monday night Bible studies, the first thing we do is we just sit down and say, okay, it's God talk time. And all I'm asking them to do is just, where did God answer a prayer this week? You know, did you see him work in a way in your life that, that you've been looking for or hoping for? 
Did he open up a door of opportunity for you to talk with somebody about a relationship with God? We just call it God talk. And people will go around the room and just say, okay, here's where I saw God this week. I, I saw him work in this way. And one of the things I've tried to do in that is to get them to understand that God, God is vibrant and active in our lives on a daily basis, is he not? We talk about the providence of God. We teach it. Let them, let them try to get used to seeing it and looking for it. And, and man, some of the stories they'll tell you are kind of like, huh, you know? Sometimes, you know, maybe they'll stretch a little bit, but that's okay, you know? Sometimes the, the story has nothing to do with anything. Um, but, but one thing I want them to understand is there, I don't believe there's any such thing as luck or coincidence. I believe there's providence in God. And I want my kids to hang on to that mentality and to start looking for God on a daily basis. That's, they said, you know what, we love coming in here and talking about what God has done in our lives that week. And that's one of the rules as we start is that everybody, unless you're a visitor for the first time, everybody has to go around the room and say or tell the story where God impacted you that week. It's pretty cool. You know, sometimes it's worship at Rush, uh, you know, the singing at Rush. Sometimes it's a Bible class they heard. Sometimes it's, it's man, you know, I had an opportunity. Uh, I got to say the prayer today for the football team. You know, other times it's, you know, coach called me out because he knew, you know, he called me, whatever he called me and, and said, you need to say the prayer because you're a Christian or whatever. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, you're making a difference. You know, that, that's the point in that is God is helping you make a difference. And then here's the last thing. And this doesn't sound as bad as it looks, but talk about others, okay? <laughs> talk about others. Uh, one of the things that we try to do, we don't do this every week, but on a regular basis, obviously, kids said, you know, a prayer list is very important to us. We get to talk about people who are hurting, and it keeps them on the forefront of our mind. But one of the other things we do, and I would encourage you to do this, we, um, I feel like sometimes we try to stay away from talking about struggles, talking about people's struggles. But one of the things that we do at the end of our Bible study is, is we say, okay, who needs to hear about Jesus this week? Who's struggling with something? What one person are you going to reach out to this week? And everybody goes around the room, and everybody names one person. Sometimes they tell a story like, well, this person um, claims he's an atheist, but he was asking me about church stuff. He was asking me about Bible questions this week, so I'm going to try to go back and, and influence him. And they'll say his name. And that name is on their mind the, the entire week, you know. And, uh, and so, our, our, you know, we're not talking about people. But we're talking about people who need to meet Jesus or who need to be reminded about Jesus. Sometimes the people that we talk about are our own who are struggling and haven't been with us for a while. You know what? There's nothing wrong with that. Okay? We're not gossiping about people. We're not, you know, we're not talking about them behind their back and talking about all the bad stuff that they've done and, and running their name through the mud. We're simply saying they need to be reminded of Jesus. Let's make it, let's make it a point to surround them this week. And, and the kids have said, that's, you know, and I thought so as well, that's something that has made a difference in our youth group. And as a matter of fact, I can look back, and, and sometimes there's more than others, but you can look back and you can see the people that have been named who didn't used to sit in those chairs in your Bible class, and now they're sitting in those chairs in your Bible class. That's pretty cool. You know what I mean? That's pretty cool. So talk about others now. That's all I've got. What I wanted to ask from you guys, and I hope I haven't rambled too long or given you anything that now you're sitting there thinking, okay, that was worthless, whatever. Um, what works where you're at? What are your best practices in your ministries at home? 
and let's share those for a few minutes. John, a couple of things that that I really like that we do. Um, one's kind of service based, and uh, we meet at five o'clock before uh, our Bible class on Wednesday nights, and we have a family each week that signs up. We have a list, and they sign up, and they sign up for food so that some family or two maybe will sign up for that night. And we eat for, you know, 30, 45 minutes, and then we do a service project. It could be, you know, something we make for the elders, or it could be cookies we'll bake, and we'll take them to, like, the fire department or the police station, something small, you know, just a little something to get them in that mindset every week. We don't do it during the summer. Um, so we like that. We call it 121 from Philippians 121. It's just the idea of doing things for Christ and others. So we really like that. And then something we just started that I've liked so far, uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, we call it the slow club. And I kind of took the example of Jesus and picking his 12, and we looked through the youth group and said, who are the leaders, who are the kids who have good attendance, who are influential, and based on different characteristics of these kids, we picked 12 out. And I guess the negative part of this is it's kind of a secret club. We, we're not telling, you know, other kids in the youth group that we have this club, and only for one reason. Uh, because the purpose of the club is to write and send cards to kids who are missing. Uh, we take our absentee list from Bible class. If they've missed three weeks in a row, then that club will write a card and send it to them. So we didn't want to tell everybody because we didn't want them to feel like they're only getting a card because they're part of this group. Right. So right. Um, that's been interesting to see, and we split the group, up, the whole youth group up, and gave each one of these 12 kids two or three names. So cool. they reach out to them, they encourage them to be at Devo's. If they don't see them, they'll text them and say, hey, haven't seen you in a while. You know, Pretty and cool. so it's, it's sort of an encouraging thing, and it's just a way to reach out to them, you know, some that have been missing. So. That's kind of a student a leadership. Is what right, yeah, right. that's it's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Um, this is something that uh, I'm guilty of a lot of the things you said not to do, I guess, in calendar based and all that. But um, so I've got to think about one thing that I've done, and it's because my professor did it for me, is <coughs> just sitting down and writing a card to someone. Um, a kid who uh, did a young men's service and spoke, you know, write him a card. Yeah. I mean, in old fashioned, you know, not a text. And, uh, and what's funny is, uh, I did it several months ago, and I was um, I was talking with a guy that my car fell out of his bottom. And he said, yeah, that was the car you sent me in. Cool. I mean, he was hanging, hanging on to it. And so I think that makes a big impact. Just It shows you're going out of your way just to provide that encouragement, like you said. Right. So that's something that I'll try to make it happen. Of. Well, and, and Craig kind of talked about this yesterday. You know, it's interesting what you don't get to do when you allow the calendar to control your life, you know? You, you kind of miss out on some of those ministry opportunities from time to time because you're constantly getting ready for the next thing. You know, it's it's a it's an event-based deal. It's not a people-based deal, right? So that's a good one. JJ and then Evan, ladies first. <laughs> one of the best things I think Larry does, and um, he still does in Bible class now, is he'll teach a series of lessons on how to evangelize, and then he yeah. allows the kids one by one to come in and teach him the gospel. Oh, that's cool. So that it's not a brand new thing when they go talk to their friends. And they and he doesn't play devil's advocate. He tries to make it fairly easy. But he does ask them questions that real people would ask and real friends would ask. 
And um, it gives them, in a very comfortable, safe environment, the opportunity for him to give them feedback and say, that was so great when you talked about this. Don't forget, you know, about this. And he gives them a list of passages to compare them. I tell you, it's one of the best things that's ever happened because you want your kids to be evangelistic and, and they're eager to start when they're teenagers. And that, and that builds their confidence, doesn't it? That's cool. I like that. Evan? Uh, one of the things that I tried to move us uh, away from doing, and we did it for a while, but instead of doing like a youth-led worship service, I wanted them to use the youth like throughout all the services. Like don't just make it one night a month that you only let them do stuff. Like and so we started working on them, like getting to preside on the Lord's Supper Table, which is hard to get even like our male adults to do. Yeah. But then let them lead singing on Sunday morning like intermittently throughout the year. Um, <clears throat> let them do the Wednesday night devotional thought. And man, it has really like it bolstered their confidence and it, they won't hesitate to, to speak on you know Wednesday for devotional or lead songs or uh, even they'll, you know, if they just get asked to speak on a Sunday night, they'll do it. Yeah. And uh, I mean that, I think just making sure that they know that they're not expected to lead just on special right. circumstances, but you're expected to lead right now. Very um, cool. It's really up to Very cool. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Uh, the youth minister, but something that my youth minister did for, for us, that I thought was really cool. Um, he started a class called Iron Sharpens Iron, and it was pretty much us strengthening us, you know, to be more, to gain more knowledge in the Bible, and on the first day of class, he asked, like, what are topics that, that we would like to have help on, or things that have been going on in our minds, so he did that, and then we've been going through the class, you know, tackling these things that we wanted to know more and, you know, be prepared to do a lot of very cool. Yeah, one of the great things that we can do for our young people is just to listen to them. You know, what, what are they struggling with? What do they need? What do they, you know, one thing I've noticed is that every year at some point during the school year at our in-depth Bible studies, um, we're going to talk about homosexuality because that's what the kids ask to talk about because they're around it every every day, you know, these days. Um, and, and so listen, I, I just say that because I always allow them, you know, do you have any questions? any Bible questions or anything that you're wondering about or struggling with. And sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And we'll go into what I've got to study. Other times, uh, you know, our very first end of the Bible study, I had something prepared. We talked about homosexuality because that's what the kids needed to talk about. One of the girl's best friends had just uh, let everybody know that she was going to be a practicing homosexual. Um, listen to your kids. That's great. Listen to your kids and let them tell you what they need. I saw somebody else I thought. Anybody else? Back on one of your other slides, you were talking about uh, know who we are. Um, as a as a minister, as a youth minister, how do we? There's been times where I think, and I, and I think you know, everybody's felt like this has been in for a while. That you feel like an employee. How do you get past that feeling? Uh, to realize, and that, that's me, and you know my story, but I didn't go in youth ministry because I was going to make money. I mean, man, I truly felt Anybody? like I really called <laughs> into that story. Anybody you know, else? You, but that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? There's times where you just feel like, man, I, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that some people view 
what I do because I get a paycheck. How do you, and, and, and I know that goes with relaying that to your parents, and, and I think some of that can be judged by your heart. Um, but I think sometimes, obviously, parents want to see events. And, and that's been a shift at West Irishburg that I think I've been trying to make for a few years. But, you know, they want to see those events yeah. on the calendar. And I know you're going to do that, but I don't know. I know that's that's jumping back a little bit no, that's earlier, a- but that's part of what defines us, you know, who yeah. we are. How do you how do you get past feeling like you are paid to do what you do? Yeah. Um, I'd say first, and, and I'm going to let Jerry have this, I would say first, you're going to have to have some crazy communication with your elders and, and have those discussions. You know, how, how do you define our success at this church? Well, if they say numbers, then you say, you know, I mean, you got to talk them through that. you got to bring them along, you know, and your deacons and your parents because sometimes they don't understand where you're coming from. Um, and then there's going to be those times when it just takes time. I mean, I, unfortunately, not everybody understands or sees what we see and the potential that we see up front. But I'd say communication with elders is paramount because then when they've got your back, I mean, I, I, I feel very confident in saying that when elders are, 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 are presented the vision of spiritual growth versus numerical growth, they're shepherds of the soul. They're concerned about the spiritual growth. Now, what happens is when you get that spiritual growth, then the numerical growth starts coming, you know? But when you get them to understand that, I think they're going to support you. I think they're going to be, they're going to have your back, and they're going to support you in everything that you do. And you still, I mean, you're still going to have to explain. There's going to be a lot of communication. Um, I think when... I think when ministers get run off or feel like they've got to leave or things aren't going well, I think it's because of a lack of communication. I may be wrong on that. But, Jerry, what is your, what is your thought? Simple, simple thing. You don't have a job. You have a ministry. Yeah. There's a world of difference between the two. Yeah. Job, if you want a job, you go flip over to McDonald's. Yeah. But, but again, it's, it's getting other people to understand that is right. what you're asking. Well, I, mean, I don't feel a lack of support. I mean, one of my elders' sure. wives are sitting in here. So I oh, I don't. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't feel a lack of support from my eldership. Sure. I don't feel that at all. I mean, we got two of our elders here, and, and I mean, so I feel really, I do feel that support. I think sometimes that's something I think that we wrestle with, and, and how do you overcome? I think there's obviously some parents in every congregation that go, and you're you're paid to do that, and and maybe that's me needing to do a better job of relaying that to my parents, but. There's sometimes where I'll want to scream and go, you can't pay me enough money to really do that. <laughs> and even though I'm just saying that because, like, my heart is has always been for, for the kids and, and doing ministry and teaching. And because I was one of those kids that didn't know the gospel. As a well, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. I, I also speak in a unique place, from a unique place. I was the first full-time youth minister Chapel Hill ever had. I got to come in with the vision and present the vision and install the vision. And that's the vision we have. They don't know anything else. So obviously I'm speaking from a different place as well, but Mr. Albright, it's on your hand. I think what you said is right on. But we have to be deliberate about it. Because we think we're communicating and we're not. So trust comes from connection through understanding. And so I think the, the real key is to connect the dots. They need unmistakable communication. This may be documentation, this is discussions, 
you know, draw it out with, with charts. And, and, and this is something you can hand each new parent who comes into your youth group, every visitor who comes into, you know, their family comes in, here's what we do, here's why we do it. And I guess the key is we have a lot of assumptions because we have these grand plans and desires and intentions. Connect the dots. Yeah. And everybody else has that same assumption, right? Or that's our assumption. Everybody has the same mentality. They do. They just don't always know what it ought to look like, right? You know, sometimes we get confused about what it ought to look like. Uh, Craig was talking about, you know, the idea of communication yesterday, and I just wrote down, say it, say it again, and then say it in a different way, <laughs> you know? Um, everything that you put out there, you know, uh, you're, you're, you know, if you've got a Twitter account for your ministry, you know, where they get, uh, where they can go and, and get announcements and stuff like that, make sure you've got your vision. You know, there's a place where you can describe your ministry. So I'm going to describe Chigger's ministry. On our website, I'm going to tell you exactly what we're about. Uh, you know, on our Facebook pages, you know, make sure you're telling people exactly what you're about. When, you, uh, when you're writing your bulletin articles, you know, we always have our little corner of the bulletin. Make sure that you're constantly relaying what you're about. And then in your Bible classes, you're telling them what you're about. You're, I mean, say it, say it again, say it in a different way, you know. You can't communicate enough, I think, is what, is what Aubrey has just said. You, you just got to keep getting it out there. And uh, people, people will catch on. They'll catch on. Anybody else? Man, this has been great. Thank you for your input and your attention. Uh, we're about to, I guess, dismiss the lunch, but uh, I'm going to ask uh, Tim if he will lead us in a prayer for our lunch, and then we're dismissed.